Welcome, Utah football fans, to Utah Football Fans Podcast. Here we are in the bunker at the table for another session. Good to be with you. I'm Gary Axsmith with James Russin, and we have a special guest with us tonight. Hello. This is Bryn Whitchurch. She's the Associate Director of Student Programming at the Alumni Association. <laughs> now let's cut through there's all a, of that. There's a title. <laughs> cut through all of that. She is the queen of the muss, the boss woman. Thank the you. The person in charge of the muss. The person, Some, the person someone, you want to piss off. <laughs> Some, my, someone called me Empress today, Ooh. so I kind of like that one, actually. Empress? How do you spell Empress? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't um, I don't know. So how is security getting into the bunker? Did your credentials get you in? I, yeah, I had to give a password and knock three times, and then I'm in. Those guys with the M4s, it was kind of scary, wasn't it? Yeah. But we're here in the bunker. It's a, it's, it's a place of great wisdom and truth, so it's very high security, and only certain people can get in, so feel blessed. Okay, good to be with everybody. Worldwide podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on iTunes, Google Play, and you can find us on Podbean, which is our host, but those are the typical uh, sites. Please follow us. You can contact us on Facebook, Twitter. Email us at utefootballfans at gmail.com. Or text us. And it's 801-839-5622. All right. Of course, with Bryn being here, we're going to get to the must and talk a lot about that um, and so forth. But other other issues to to talk about first before we get there we're about two weeks out um i'm ready it's kind of you know camp started i was psyched a lot going on it's kind of leveled off for me now i'm, I'm ready for it um what do you think what are you hearing yeah coach I, speak it, well it's all coach speak we get in front of the media and they say the same things and they don't you know especially coach whittingham he doesn't really go too deep which i i get but yeah it's kind of that progression it's spring ball and you're all excited and then summer comes it's a long summer months and then fall practice starts and you're all amped and excited and then now we're two weeks away and it's just it for us it's kind of you know dragging on a little bit i'm I'm ready i'm ready to go yeah i'm ready i'm ready it's kind of it's kind of weird that it's here but kind of been waiting now it's almost upon us and we play the zoobs so i got it I got a question. So, BYU first game of the year versus last year last game of the year. What do you prefer? Well, between those two choices, between those two choices. Well, this game, there's no, there's no question about it. I mean, um, I don't want to play them every year. That's 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 a different issue. But uh, I'd rather play them now because let you know they're insignificant when you get right down to right. it. All we care about is winning the South then winning the Pac-12, going to the Rose Bowl, and, and whatever. And when they got us last year, I mean, let's face it, we had already won the South mm-hmm. between the championship game and winning the South, and we get the Zoobs. Got to play BYU. Who gives a crap? In a meaningless game. Yeah. That's so – and plus, injury situations. Right. But anyway. I'd rather play them first because uh, we can ruin their season, very first game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they can't be national champions. That's true. No, but – I actually do hate that our first game's an away game. Yeah. Because you're talking about hype, and it's so exciting, but it's a little... We have to wait three weeks in reality. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I won't go to Provo. I refuse. But 
I'd rather play him beginning of the season. Get it over with. So I agree, but it is really painful that for the last two months, it's been nothing but rivalry talk. Yeah. Rivalry talk is great for about a week. Rivalry Twitter is great for about a week, but it's been nonstop last month. And, and it gets exhausting when it's the same things every day. You get on the radio and it's everything is Utah BYU, Utah BYU. And so it, I'm yeah, over that. But don't you think it's the radio guys? Oh, 100%. And the TV guys? Oh, yeah. And all that, all that stuff. It t- I never bring it up because it, it, there's bigger fish to fry. Like USC's coming up. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Um, and Northern so, Illinois, too. Bigger fish. Yeah, bigger, <laughs> much bigger fish. Even Idaho State. <laughs> At least they're in conferences. I don't know. I agree. It's, it, it's, but I don't know. I'm not sure. At least the Utah fans I'm around, they don't bring it up to this game or the Zuby game. No. Like the Zubies do. I mean, I guess they've been practicing for six months getting ready for this game. Break every huddle with beat Utah for the that's, last that's, eight months or whatever it is. Well, it's where their biggest, I mean... What else do they have to live for and play for? So, well, and <laughs> if they go eleven and two or they go six and six, it's irrelevant because it's the they're same. going to the same bowl. What are the Hawaii Bowl this year or whatever? The Mako All State Bowl game in Vegas, Rubber Hose Bowl, the Rubber Hose Bowl. So, yeah, it's it's great. Like you said, we get to ruin their season first week, right. move on, and then we actually get to play some some ball. So. All yeah, right. Just a thought. That's a thought. We got plenty to say about that probably in week and a half. Yeah, week and a half. Pre-Zuby game. Um, Jaden Sanchez contacted us. He listened to the podcast uh, last week. We asked people. We, we do it again. Feel free to contact us with questions, comments, critique, whatever. Jaden Sanchez did. Uh, he contacted us, gave us his prediction uh, for... Uh, the Utes season, in other words, what the record would be, and wondered what we thought. He said they thought he thought that Utah would be nine and three at the end. Um, I'll give you my my view uh, on that. First, you know, okay, I look at it this way: there's the first three games: Zubies, Northern Illinois, Idaho State, all wins. Should be three win, three wins, right, right there. Then we've got nine games of conference. You've got three upper-tier games, USC, Washington, Washington State. Mm-hmm. Those are, to me, the upper-tier. And I think Utah can be 2-1. and one. Well, and two of those games are on the road. Right. Yeah, but I still think we can be 2-1. and one. And then you've got the other six. And let's face it, um, every year... It, it, Every team in the Pac-12 lays a stinker and loses to a team they should yep. never have lost to. So Utah's going to lose to somebody in there. So having said that, if you if you add it all up, that's two losses. So realistically for me, Utah can go 10-2. and two. I don't think that's – you know, if they go 9-3, and three, I can see where Jaden's come from – is coming from, and, you know, I could agree with that. But honestly, I could see us go 10-2. and two. When I break it down like that. Dang. That'd be phenomenal. I, and, I, and I agree. When you look at it, just pure talent, just just on paper, pure talent, I I would agree. Um, and out of those, those top-tier games, Washington obviously makes me nervous. They're replacing a ton of pieces and a lot of guys that went to the NFL, but Chris Peterson has done a phenomenal job replacing quarterback and all that sort of stuff. And 
But it's a road game, and we struggle with Washington. We haven't beat them in I don't even know how long. So it's that that one when makes were me we there. That's when we beat them last. Travis was here in Booker. I think it's been four four years. Jeez. Four years ago, we went up to Seattle and won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why you guys were at that game. Yeah. And then Washington State makes me nervous. It's here. But Leach and that freaking offense, man, they just pumps so what quarterbacks do you think? What do you think it's going to be? Lay it out. Let's hear it. I reserve the right to well, we all change it before the season. I, I, I <laughs> That's think, garbage. I think what do you think? Ten and, I think 10-2 and two is very, very realistic. It's doable. I think it's more than doable. I think that 11-1 and one is doable as long as Utah plays every game to their ability. And then, obviously, injuries matter and all that sort well, of yeah, stuff. That's... But, but you can't say that. But I, on paper, I think the only game that we're outmatched is Washington. Okay. He, Brian, lay it on us. The Pac-12, though, you guys know this, is so funky. Oh, yeah. And every year, uh-huh. all these weird things happen. Everyone beats <laughs> someone they're not supposed to. So, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I'm I'm being a little more realistic here. I think I'm saying eight and four. Oh! Security but, security personnel. Oh security personnel. I did, I'm four. hitting the red button. That's fine. You can kick me out. But that still means we win the South. Because of the way that the, you guys know this, the way the Pac-12 is, it's just so weird and funky. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's fine. Everyone can call for my head later on. I get the realism. Jeez. Eight, and Eight, four. I'm trying to be realistic those, here. Crickets out. Of I'd here. love to shoot for the moon and say undefeated season. Yeah, That'd be but awesome. no, we're not being crazy. I'm looking That's, at it from a standpoint of talent to talent. And I, then I agree. There are I those I understand games. that, but talent to talent, we should have beat so many people that we haven't beat. Yeah. I get it. That's, That's true. fair. I mean, I if it happened, it wouldn't surprise me. I'll just say that. <laughs> That's also true. I, I, w- if we go to SE and lose, I would not be the least bit surprised. Right. You know? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Just looking at, I, looking at the schedule, I'm just, my very first initial looking at it going, okay, well, we'd probably, maybe this, mm. I'm saying. Okay. There you have it. That'll be mine. There you have it. Let's. What does Wit think? Fear nothing. Attack everything. Fear nothing. Attack everything. There you go. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, a lot's been said or written or whatever talked about with Moss's so-called injury of mm-hmm. his on his hand. Um, Jay Scobie, who's a you know a member of Utah football fans on Facebook, made a comment that he saw Moss. At the Park Cafe, I think Witt was there. No, different, different different coach. Kyle, he's the running back coach. Oh, running back coach there. Yeah. Be that as it may, Moss was there and did have a cast on his hand, a hard cast on his right hand. He said. Okay, so I don't, yeah, you know, I don't, I still don't think it's a big deal. It's stuff not. I've read and heard. It's whatever. I don't think there's anything to worry about. No, in fact, he he he's playing. He'll be he will be playing week one. It's not a it's not a big deal. They know what he can do. They're not putting reps on him. They're getting him in shape cardio wise. He'll he'll be there game one. That's what I think. Okay. Um, and I'll say this: if he's not, our running back depth is outstanding. Um, who's the guy? The new um, freshman. Just oh, the, uh, Whitmore. 
Yeah, but very, very impressive. Yeah. They said that as far as body types, he is like carbon copy of, uh, or sorry, Wilmore, Wilmore number five. That's right. He's like a he's like a mini Zach Moss, which is scary. But yeah, so if you can't play, I still think we've got plenty of running back depth. But all indications are saying Moss is going to be he'll be playing. He'll be ready. I hope so. Okay, last week we we brought up. Uh, Commissioner Larry Scott's idea of uh, some early game starts in the conference so that possibly get some publicity back east and so forth, which would mean, let's see, that on the west coast would be 9 a.m., but here it would be 10 a.m. And so with Bryn being here, I'm curious to get your viewpoint from that of the student section, <clears throat> 10 a.m. games, what's your thought? I hate it. Yeah, right on. I absolutely hate it. Um, I mean, all the points you guys made last week, I totally agree with. Um, but what you didn't talk about was game atmosphere. If we have a 10 a.m. game. Mm-hmm. True. You can just kiss that atmosphere goodbye. We can't get people at 6 p.m., <clears throat> 8 p.m. kickoffs to show up on about time. About 12 I, no one can get excited. You can't ramp yourself up for a 10 a.m. game. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but people aren't going to come. Um, the students sure as hell aren't going to come. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I mean, they just won't. 10 a.m. They're not even in, they're still in bed. Yeah, they're still yeah, in bed. I mean, they go to bed at four in the morning, so they're not going to come. It's going to kill your tailgate atmosphere. Kiss your tailgate atmosphere goodbye that we've built over the last few years. Um, people community wise, you brought this up last week, James, our community has lots of families and our community also has a large majority of people who Sunday is a religious day and they don't do normal weekend things on a Sunday. So that means Saturday is their only day to do all the things they need to do to get done in the weekend. And that includes children's soccer games and children's football games and things like that. We're not the SEC where people buy houses in the city of the stadium so they can sleep over and be there for a 9 a.m., 10 a.m. kickoff. That's just not how we are. That's not who we are. And I hate that Larry Scott is choosing people on the East Coast over his local fans. I, yeah, I point. get wanting exposure and the East Coast fans to be able to see it because, yeah, I mean, you know, a game that kicks off at 8.30 mountain time, you know, or 8.30 over on the Pacific Coast or however late those games kick off, yeah, the East Coast isn't watching them. But that's a good point. I'm watching them. And right. And I am the fan that you should be. Well, and not that you're watching. You want to be in the stadium. That's true. We are Pac-12. We're West Coast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get, and I've got a lot of friends I know that live on East Coast and they hate it because, yeah, they're mm-hmm. it's not starting until midnight and they can't, they stay up all night and watch the game or whatever. But I'm sorry to all my East Coast people, I'd rather do it for the people that are actually here. It's going to kill, I don't know. I it, hate it. I absolutely hate it. Why can't we compromise? Four o'clock. Two o'clock. I think a two o'clock game, people yeah. would 
I don't know. I think two even. Uh, yeah, I mean, our two fifteen against Idaho State. I don't know. That's going to be very well. well somewhat of opponent. Idaho State too. The opponent, you're right. Yeah. Well, true, but. But I agree with you. In the past, our afternoon games are very poorly attended, mm-hmm. and we don't play. And well. And we don't play well. And the yeah. thing that does make me nervous is I know Larry Scott said it. You can opt in. Teams can opt in. The thing that does make me nervous is Coach Whittingham does like early kickoffs because he doesn't like having to entertain the team or kind of babysit the team all day long. Mm-hmm. But I hope he... <laughs> do you think uh, do you think Witt would solicit your opinion? Because, he, I mean, you deal with him. You know he, want, he wants what the Muss would want. All I can um, say is give him some, let him know. I know. Well, athletics did come to us last year when there was an option for either an early game or a later game. And, I mean, without fail, we all just said, no, go for the 6 p.m. kickoff. 10 a.m. is just ridiculous. 10 a.m. is horrible. It's horrible. Even 11 o'clock. I mean, anything in the morning to me. So I'm glad to hear you agree with us on that. I'm absolutely 100% against it, and I hope that we don't have to deal with it. But You never know. We'll see. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about the must. Give us... Give us a little history, um, you know, how it started, when it started, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a misconception that Urban Meyer started the mess, and that's, that's not true. So um, the, okay. way, the way it started is in 2002, and before that, attendance at Utah football was awful. Yeah, let me, let me on that point. Of course, I'm older than both of you. Right. I've been around a long time, so I've been there through the different transformations of the whole stadium. And the and the student section has all, all, always been in that part of the stadium. But I remember going to games. I'd be sitting there in the afternoon on the benches. I could lay back, and within 10, 10 rows up and above me, below me, 10 seats on either side, nobody around. No. No, Utah wasn't good, so I just laid and it was in that very section. So, yeah, it wasn't well attended years and years ago. Whittingham likes to say that back in those days, there were four students and a dog, <laughs> and the dog was a stray. That, well, that's where he went. <laughs> that's his saying about what the student section was. And you're right, it, that's exactly what it was. So in 2002, this group of students, and they were all serving on the student alumni board, which is housed under Alumni Association. They got together and they said, we're sick and tired of this. We want to create something at football. We want to get students there. We want an atmosphere. What can we do? So they went to their advisor, shout out to John Fackler, godfather of the mess. Right on, John. (laughs) They went to John and they kind of formed this little group. And John went to, her name was Kim Rapp in the athletics department. And they formed this little focus group and got together and said, okay, how are we going to do this? It was Utah Football Fan Club that first year is what it was called. Okay. And they just wanted three, 300 students is all. That was their goal. Let's get 300 students to sign up for this thing. You get a little t-shirt. You get to come sit with your friends at football. That was their goal. That first year in 2002, 800 students signed up. So then flash forward to 2003 when a little well-known coach named Urban Meyer comes to town although he was not well known at that time Mm-mm. you guys remember Mm-mm. 2003 so 800 students that first year 2003 hit it doubles 
sixteen hundred the next Didn't year. Did he though get come and get involved? I mean, he absolutely did. Yeah. So, what I will say is, although he didn't start the mess, he is absolutely responsible for the growth of it, the success of it in those first years. I was actually a student at that time on campus. I remember him. He was all over the place. I mean, that dude cool. never sleeps. And I think we know that. His health has shown that. But he was all over the place, all over that campus. He would take his players everywhere around campus. He would basically say to students, get your butt to football. I don't want to hear an excuse. You get there. So all of that started at the same time with these students really focusing on it and then him coming to town. And it was kind of this perfect storm that just started building the muss. So 2003 is when it switched to calling it the muss, which is the word from the school song. Mm -hmm. Um, So then the next year, 2004, it doubled in size again. Perfect season. We go to Fiesta Bowl. So the hype just keeps going. And then, you know, he leaves and kind of didn't know where it was going to go. I'm very happy to say Coach Winningham just picked up right where Urban Meyer left off. And he, he says, whatever the must wants, the must gets basically is what it is. And I think that's very rare to find a head coach that actually takes the time to care about the student section. Where are we at numbers then? So it went from that. So it went from that. So that first year, 800, and then it just kept growing, growing, growing. And with that, the need for organization of it kept growing. So it started from that little focus group and turned into just a little committee which then turned into a whole student board of about 28 students that run the whole thing. So now where we're at is the must can sell 6,000 seats in that student section. And we sell it out every year. Um, The way it works at the U is students can get into athletic events for quote unquote free because they pay fees in their tuition. So, Everyone's a must member. Everyone can get must tickets to all athletic events. But then we have the $50 must premium where if you purchase that, you get the reserved seat at football, the Under Armour t-shirt, the tailgate, all that good stuff. So that's the 6,000 that we sell. But the student section itself is more about 7,500 to 8,000 students. I didn't know that actually. It's good. Right. And then it sometimes increases a little bit over that with standing room seats and things like that so in reality it is probably 7500 on so, average so the, the the thing about the the must is that there's massive national recognition with the right. must for instance i just remember the, the two things last year uh kirk herb street of course herb he street. does he does his thing about every part of football his predictions and on and on and and whatever but he said I think he ranked Utah fourth, mm-hmm. or the fourth best student section in all the country. And if you look at this guy, he goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean that—that's an amazing accolade. And then just a number of years ago, I think it was NCAA.com. Right. They ranked I think the the student section like fifth in the nation or something like that. I think we were third with that one. Is that right? In the top five, but we've been named top five three times. So the must that, that it's really cool. It's right. And when you look at, especially, well, all of them with Herb Street and NCAA.com us comparatively. So, okay. Our little six, 7,000 student section, those other student sections that he 
and those other schools get mentioned in that top five, 10,000 students, mm. 15,000 students, 20,000 students. You know, SEC schools, I mean. They're, yeah, most Penn of State, them are. I think yeah. They're up there all the time. Right. And so to be named among those student sections, it's, it's huge. And in fact, everyone kind of knows the acronym now, the Mighty Utah Student Section. But like I said, the must comes from the school song. Defined, it means a state of chaos and disorder. It was actually ESPN that gave us the acronym. Mighty Utah Student mm -hmm. Section. Was that in 2004? I think it was 2004, and that was the first time we were named top five student section, which was 2004 or 2005. It was really early. But early on, and we just started, and we got named top five, and ESPN then gave us that acronym, and it stuck. That's cool. I didn't know that. It stuck forever, you know. It it fits well. It fits. But then, yeah, I mean, we just continue to get those national recognition accolades and why, why awesome. do you think the must works? Because, you know, we've, we travel from time to time right. uh, to other stadiums and watch the games and there's, there's student sections and it's just not, it's not the same. So how is it, why does it work in your, your view? I think it is consistency. We've done the registration and the seating and all of that the exact same way since 2002. And Every single year, you're going to find people <laughs> calling for us to change it to do general admission. We do not do general admission. The way it works is you, a student gets on online in the spring, registers from us premium. We open it at noon on a Friday. The closer to noon you register, the better seat you're going to get. So you liken it to like concert seats. When concert seats go on sale, you know, everybody hits the system right away. And the faster you w- you're in, the, fast- the better seats you get the concert that's the exact same system that we have so we do that and so then it allows you come football season you don't have to worry about camping out every game you can go to the tailgate you can you know that you're going to have your seat and it also allows us to have consistency down in our front rows we that's where our must board sits but they're the ones that organize the cheers they bring the banners they bring the big flag that goes up over the must they do the third down jump sign it's consistency. We've done it the same since it started. And I honestly think that's the way that it's continued to be so successful because we're not messing with it. What are some of the unique traditions or cheers or however you want to call it that the, the must has? Well, third down jump is the biggest that's one. That's kind of well, that's well known. Um, so that actually, third down jump started 2007 if you guys remember, UCLA came and played in Rice-Eccles. So this is before Pac-12, and we beat them. I don't remember the score. I'm not. <laughs> I don't Killed have. Them, I, think. I think we, we blew them out. We blew them out. We, yeah. So yeah. it was just, again, this small group of students who were Must Board members. I think he was the Must president at the time. It was just him and his group of friends that started jumping on third down, putting their fingers up the air when we were on defense, and they just started it. And we won that game, and so then it just kind of, and then stuck. Then they came to us and said, hey, can we get this banner? We want to do it. And, I mean, you guys know, everyone has seen it. It just. It's great. Right. So that's probably the most recognizable tradition of ours is that third down jump. Um, the other one is we do, whenever we cause a false start, we hang the five over the front. Yeah, that's cool. I like that one. It's kind of like the. The thing that people do at baseball games, the home run, things like that. So 
that's been fun because it's kind of a visual way to show we're affecting the game <laughs> or the students Which are they affecting have. the game. They've affected it big time. Right. So I would say those are probably our two biggest. I mean, one thing that Urban Meyer did start, he was very big on the player fan interaction. He's the one that started the tradition of the team goes over to the mus after the game sings the fight song. That's cool. Urban Meyer started that. Whittingham continued it. So that's a tradition. The players go give high fives to the students after. Sometimes they jump into the section. So it's this cool relationship between the students, players. They all know they're working together to win games. It's, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It, it does help create a, a great atmosphere in the stadium. Well, and what I will say is, so like you said, going back to prior must years the stadium was very empty yeah and i get it the same our, even when there were students right at games it just our program the same. has elevated but think of the timeline here i'm not going to toot my own horn or anything but <laughs> toot away <laughs> you see the growth of the must in direct correlation with the growth of our team joining the pac-12 selling out every single year yeah I'm just saying. Well, and it's the players love the bus. You talk to any of the players, and I mean, it is like, like you said, I mean, they really embrace it. And I mean, how many times during a game it's, you know, third and eight, the must is going nuts. That place is deafening. And the players are waving at the must. Let's go. You know? Well, and so we, we actually, as a student board, last week we went to a leadership conference and we presented on the must. And we showed the hype video. I don't know if you guys remember this one from last year where all the coaches are talking about how hard Rice Eccles is to play. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys remember that video? It was yeah. such an awesome video. But we played that in our presentation. Then afterwards when we were having questions, this kid raises his hand and he, he said he's a football player at Pitt. He goes, man, I wouldn't want to play in front of you guys. <laughs> that's cool. So that's the thing. I mean, we when they go to Pac-12 media days and things like that, I mean, Witt has told us, the coaches and the players from the opposing teams, they always will talk about how hard it is to play in front of the Muss and in front of Rice Eccles. Yeah, it affects the games. It's it, the way it should be. Right. I think it's fantastic. What but you do have you do have uh, other schools contact you, I imagine, from every Absolutely. year trying to get pick your brain on the, all these things you've been telling us about. Absolutely. Um, I get probably two to three phone calls every year. Just this last <clears throat> Month or so, I talked to someone from Oregon and someone from Washington. Don't tell the other Pac-12 schools what we're doing. <laughs> They're not going to be able to do what we do. <laughs> Especially <laughs> Oregon. Those guys are. Oh, Oregon. <laughs> but, I mean, the point is people see it. People see how successful it is. They want to know how we do it. You know, imitation is the highest form of flattery, I will say. There's a certain school down south that keeps stealing most of our things, and then they say that they came up with it on their own. Oh, they came up with the third down stop? And is that uh-huh, third something? down stop. You know, I mean, hmm. that just came out of what nowhere. What is it, the, the third down skip instead of the jump? Is that what they do? <laughs> the thing is about the must, what I like is it doesn't It doesn't seem like it's It's not a fake or forced kind of a thing. Right. It, you get into the must, you become part of this massive organization, and they just, you just take a, take it upon themselves and it just happens that's what's kind of cool it's just it is cool and you can have a freshman show up who doesn't know one person i think we had someone yeah. actually post 
on Instagram when we were doing registration and they said, you know, I, I don't know anybody. And our reply was, come join the must. You have 6,000 friends. Cause that's the point. That's the atmosphere that it is. You don't, it doesn't matter. You don't know who's sitting next to you. You're, you're all together. You're there. You're best friends. You're working together for one common goal, help our team. And we want to win. So here's, here's probably the most important question we want. Well, a lot of people probably want to know is what, what's it like working with wit? Cause you work uh, close with him. The, you know, the must and their support. I do. He kind of going back to what I said before, but he says, whatever the must wants, the must gets. And he holds to that. Well, like, like what? Give okay. So let me give you an example. So <laughs> a few years ago, so we get, we're in Under Armour school. You guys know that. So part of that deal is the must wears Under Armour t-shirts as well. So a few years ago, we'd placed the order. Here we were getting into summer. They were going to ship us the shirts. So we can get them ready for football. And Under Armour comes to us and said, oh, you know, we don't have any enough. We don't have enough red shirts in stock. <laughs> so can you got, will you guys work with gray or white or whatever? And, you know, of course we were, no, that's not going to work out for us. Well, we just, we don't have them in stock and there's just nothing we can do. So we called Whittingham. <laughs> we called Whittingham, called, called, in a a, ca- called in a little favor. And, you know, the next day, all of a sudden, I'm getting this email from Under Armour going, oh, you know what? We found... <laughs> we found a box. We found the 6,000 red shirts that you guys ordered. Oh, I, I, you know, I, yeah, How did that happen? So he, he made a little phone call for us and, and fought for us, but... That's awesome. He fights for us. He he meets with our students about twice a year. And I'm telling you, I don't know many D1 coaches, especially of his caliber. He's an award-winning coach that takes time out of his schedule. His schedule is insane. Mm -hmm. He doesn't sleep either. These coaches don't sleep. So for him to take time twice a year to sit down for an hour with a group of students and he just talks to them. And he, he takes pictures with them. He shakes their hand. He treats them like best friends. He remembers their names. It's but, an awesome relationship. And that is part of why we're so successful because yeah, of him. I would say this. The, the few times here or there over the years that I've been where he has spoken to must members. And it's, of course, at some point in the season. So he's extremely, like you said, extremely busy. But he doesn't act it. No, when he's around him, that to me is what's really impressive. That he just he's he's like rushing around because, and he's got all these stresses. Yet when he's with these students, he's as friendly as can be. I mean, it's impressive to me. Right, it's impressive. Um, well, thank you, Bryn. Thanks for what you're doing. You're the Muss is great, James. You were in the Muss, yeah, for three years, four years, something like something that. Something like great. that. It, it's organic too. That's the that's yeah. the other thing is it's not this force. You don't have the cheerleader standing in front of you going, "Okay, on third down, we're gonna jump now." Okay, <laughs> there's not this instructional video on YouTube like, Ber- <laughs> like Berkeley where they had microphones. Oh, my. If you've ever been to Cal, they literally have students standing on a platform with microphones that are giving you instructions on how and when and what cheers to give. And if you're on that side of the field, it man. was. There's a few schools that do it that. It was horrible to be a, a fan, and you're just listening to going, you got to tell me when to cheer. One, two, three, cheer. It was. 
It, we're gonna cheer cow on three and and but then the must it's just it's organic and it's it's everybody and it's it is a great student section to be a part of so i mean I, you know fun. i will say we've tried things it doesn't work it doesn't always work it doesn't i everyone's probably listening going hey remember splash mountain, splash mountain? that was fun well that's fine Le- and i'll give you so let me give you that background splash mountain started i don't even remember that well it we did it for one Lasted game, a game but the way it happened was we did a must bus to UCLA Rose Bowl. We beat him. That was the game. Oh, who's our running back? He ran. Oh, like, Joe Williams ran Joe for like nine hundred and fifty-eight yards. Yeah, just like ran, ran the entire field back and forth and back and forth. That was it out was, of retirement too. <laughs> right. It was that game. Must bus was there, so the students were there, and they, when he did those touchdowns, they're throwing their water bottles in the air, and they thought it was so fun. Let's bring this to Rice Eccles. <laughs> it didn't work out, but. That's the thing is we tried it. doesn't work. We're not going to force. Move on. You're not going to force anything. Yep. You're just there to have fun and cheer on the Utes and get your t-shirt and your tailgate food and there you go. Thanks, Bryn. You do a great job. I guess the one thing I do want to say is the crazy lady is not part of... Can we do something about that? The student section. You have you don't have to make any comment <laughs> about anything. I don't want to get Bryn in trouble about anything, but she's not part of the must or anything. No. I think my so, my long sigh into the microphone gives you my answer. There you go. There you go. But then moving on. You are fantastic. Keep doing the job you're doing. The must is great. It uh, it makes it fun to go to those games and from where our, where I sit and I can see the must and just all that's going on. Well, and it bleeds in. It, it's bled the third down jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mean, it's everywhere. It's now. everywhere now. Except the old geezers. The old on geezers the old, in their in their padded seats. Sometimes. Well, and like I said, so you've got all these old must members who graduated. Uh-huh. Yeah. They still want to come. So what is the north end zone now? The north end zone. It's a NASCAR is, section. It's great. Well, <laughs> it's former must. It's a ton of former must members. Uh-huh. So it keeps that energy. People standing up the whole game and the yeah the third down jump. It spreads through the stadium. So. Excellent. It's spread around. Thank you. Thanks for all of that. Looking forward to it again. Okay, just a couple other things to go over. Speaking of Urban, so Urban, of course, he's he's out of Ohio State, and he's now a uh, analyst for F- Fox Sports, in-studio analyst. Okay. The question is, is he coming back? Well, I'm going to tell you right here now. Yes. 100%. The... the, the, the Gary Axsmith prediction, he's going to USC, baby. Yes. Next year. It's been out there, but I'm just saying, so Fox Sports is on the West Coast. His two guys he works with, Reggie Reggie Bush and Leinert. And let's face it, USC is not what USC needs to be. All that talent, and Urban is sitting there, and this is his kind of a thing. Uh if is it Helton, coach? Coach Helton. Coach, look, they better go undefeated. If he or doesn't, he is gone. If he doesn't just win it all, he's gone. And who's going to be in the conference? Urban. They probably could still win the whole thing, and they'll still well, I, <laughs> tell him goodbye. Good point. Tell well, him goodbye and welcome Urban in with open and arms. And what's scary is he's done it. He did it at Utah. Mm-hmm. Did it at Florida. Did it at Ohio State. Within, if he goes to SC, which I think that he will, within two, he's going. Two years, they'll have won the, won the conference. Because how hard is it to recruit to USC? Bring a student oh. on campus and go, there you go. It's not hard, even with a garbage coach. Even a horrible coach, right. you can get five-star kids to come. It's USC. 
It's USC. And then, then you have you add Urban Meyer, who's won the cha- all these national championships. Yep. He's now the head coach at USC. I mean, look. When it I, happens. you got to see the writing on the wall, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's happening. That'd be a, f- a So force. let's go, youth. This you is it. Urban. You're going to – I mean, it's it, – that's all right. It'll be fun taking him it down. Will be fun to, it will be fun to beat him. It'll be fun with Urban. Uh, I'm just. There. But the thing is, gross is isn't isn't Lynn the pansy swan, their athletic director? Yeah, yeah. You know, the pansy swan. He was a receiver. <laughs> Don't you remember? He the receiver for the Steelers. The Steelers. Yeah. And every time the Raiders would knock his head off, he's always crying and whining <laughs> and calling him the the criminal element in the NFL. He couldn't handle. The Raiders knocking the crap out of him. He's a, he's a pansy. Okay. That's Lynn Swan, and he's their athletic director. Yeah. So I don't know why they want a guy like that. But anyway, yeah, Urban. The silver lining on all that, within about three years, Urban will be, quote-unquote, sick again. Yeah, but he'll have, have, two, re- national he'll have two national championships. <laughs> and he'll have to retire. But where is he going to go from there? Well, he's Notre 55, Dame. so he'll be, say, Notre 60. Dame. So he'll, he'll have hit Florida, Ohio State, USC, Notre Dame, and then maybe Al- he'll hit Alabama on his way out the door. <laughs> There you have it. There you have it. Yeah, an exclusive on Utah Football Fans Podcast. Okay, we're winding down here. You got anything, James? Okay. This week we're giving out the Dick Award. Okay, yeah, the Dick Award. Every week we give the Dick Award. So if you have any recommendations on the Dick Award, send it to me. James, you got it, babe. So this week we are giving the Dick Award to The Rock, the <laughs> Roar of the Cougar student section. We should just call it... I saw this all over. I'm not going to take credit for this. It was on Twitter. But the BYUVU student section. <laughs> when you have to open your student section to another competing university to fill the student section, that is pretty sad. Oh. I, I Come on. Well, and as a UVU, as UVU, how are they okay with this? You're building BYU's fan base at your university. Well, how are you... St- if, if it's a student section, okay, you're, you're not there's a the logic here. <laughs> BYU student section, so don't you have to be a student of BYU? You would think That's so. That's the dick award. That's it's the pure dick dicks. Award. Dickism. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, first of all, roar of cougar makes no sense. It makes no sense. Cougars don't roar. They don't roar. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They hiss. Man. Have you, uh, you That's go, true. look that up? They hiss. They don't roar, so... Uh, I, okay, so, it, so it should be the hawk. The hawk? <laughs> the hawk. The hiss of the cougar? Hiss of cougar. Um, I don't know. I was trying to find it. I don't know how many student seats they sell. But their, their stadium's so big. Their stadium's huge. And all your students live within five minutes of your stadium. Mm-hmm. And you still have to open it up to another school? Because they suck. Who wants to go, Who watch, wants to go watch that? Uh, yeah. You know, Massachusetts. Lose to Northern Illinois. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you beat Northern Illinois, be that, be that as it may, it's the Dick Award. You, it's it's you the Dick Award. You, you cannot it's a student section. BYU student section. I don't care what school you are. You can't call it a student section and have students from other universities be a part of it. Right, Dick. What the I Dick will Award say goes is to the Hawk or the <laughs> Rock, however you want to call it. No, that's the Hawk. That's the, the name hawk. now. Hawk. Okay, it's the Hawk from here on out. All right. Utah fans, follow us on iTunes, Google Play, or find us on Podbean. You can can contact us, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Utah, or UteFootballFans at gmail.com. 
Text us 801-839-5622. Let's hear a little bit of Whittingham before we get out of here. Attack everything!